Praise the Lord. I, I like what you're doing here. You've got to, folks are learning how to reach your Jerusalem through all these different venues. I mean, vacation Bible school, backyard Bible clubs, and oh, fair ministry, and it goes on and on and on. Amen? You got a poster pass. Anybody want to go to the Chautauqua County Fair? Does that end today? Okay, let's go, honey. We'll go over there and ride some rides and really get sick. No. Go over there and preach. Yeah, there you go. Well, amen. We are glad to be here. Thank you so much for your hospitality and just feel right at home. Thank the Lord for that. And um, it's exciting to be part of the family of God and be part of opportunity of sharing the Word of God. That's, that's always a privilege. And um, we don't know how long we have, how long, much time God gives us in our lives, but uh, we need to use every moment we can for Him. Amen? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. I, I heard the announcements. I listened very, very carefully. So I, I know that the um, brother pastor over here has got a, he's got a meeting at 7.30. I said, well, Tom, you know when you have to be done before then. That won't be that long. I hope. <laughs> if you listen fast, I'll talk fast, okay? I'm a New Yorker. I can talk fast. Amen. I'm among good friends here, aren't I? Huh? Oh, yeah, you can understand. You get down to Virginia and, you know, Georgia, and, and they say, why do you New Yorkers talk so fast? I said, we got a lot to say. And we got to get it out before we forget what we said. Amen. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. I, I love this passage of Scripture. Because it's so missions, and it's just, there's a lot of good advice here as well. And the Apostle Paul is writing here to the church of Philippi, which was a church that was dear to his heart, and Paul was dear to the Philippians' heart. You remember back in Acts how the Philippian church got started, don't you? Paul comes waltzing into town, well, he walked into town, but he walks into town and he's looking around for a place, he always went to the synagogue first, and they says, where's all the Jews hanging out at? And they said, oh, down by the riverside, they have prayer down there, so he goes down and has prayer with them, and shares the word of God with them, and Lydia comes to the Lord, seller of purple, probably a wealthy lady, had a business, no doubt, then they're preaching around town, this Teenage girl follows around and she's, she's quoting great things about Paul. Here, these are the men who show us the way of salvation. Who wouldn't like that? Somebody go around and be your forerunner. But she wasn't running out being a forerunner. She was being a, a nuisance. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's wonderful when a person who believes the gospel speaks the gospel. It's quite another thing when a person is full of the devil and they're trying to say, speak the gospel. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> I didn't mean to say this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyhow. Like country music people and rock and rollers, you know, they, they, they talk about drinking and women and everything. Then you come to the end of their concerts, the guys sing Amazing Grace. I guess that makes everything else all right, doesn't it, huh? Well, I think it, it stinks. Anyway, personal opinion. <laughs> But, uh, but they, they loved the Apostle Paul, and so this, this young lady was there, and, and, and um, Seller of Purple was there, and then they went to prison. Remember that? Paul and Silas ended up in jail. And the Philippian jailer gets saved, and his whole family gets saved and baptized. So you got a, quite a motley crew in this early Baptist, first Baptist church here of uh, Philippi. You know, you got, 
you got a seller of purple, a, a astute lady who made them come and stay at her house and, you know, and stay there and she fed them and so forth. Then you got this formerly uh, demon-possessed girl who now has the fill of the Holy Spirit and her whole life has changed and she's a blessing now. And then you got the Philippian jailer and his family and boy, what a motley crew. You know, that's the way most Baptist churches are made up. It's a motley crew. Amen. People from all walks of life and then people otherwise have nothing in common with each other. Well, you got Jesus in common. You can, you can just join with everybody. Amen. And just be part of the same body. And it's a blessing. And so these people love the apostle Paul and Paul loved them for a very, very important reason. Not just because they gave to him, but they had, they were partners in the ministry with him. And I want to read some verses here, verses 10 through 19, and then we'll have a word of prayer and, and give you three points. I think that'll be a really interesting and helpful to us in the matter of giving in missions. Philippians 4, verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received as Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your wonderful love to us. Thank you that while we were sinners, you died for us and shed your precious blood that we could have everlasting life. Thank you for the opportunity you give us of sharing the gospel with people we meet and, and, and touch hearts of those who receive tracts even today. And Lord, I pray that you will bless those who are at the fair right now, maybe engaging someone in conversation and pray that you'll break down the walls of resistance, even now, and bring souls into the kingdom of God and to salvation. And may it be real. May it not be something they just do to please somebody, but may they really be touched and, and convicted of their need of, say, of a Savior. We pray your blessing upon this time here as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's this uh, passage of Scripture beautifully divides itself into three parts because Paul is first of all talking about himself. Then he talks about what the church did for him. Then he talks about the need that the church has. Now that's basically it, isn't it? Huh? You've got a missionary and you've got a church and you have needs. Now, let's first of all talk about the need of the missionary. And I'm going to surprise you. I'm not going to tell you that you need to give, 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 because missionaries have so much need. I'm going to tell you what the missionaries need to do, okay? There's something there. I'm, a, I'm not sure if I'm the only missionary here, but if I am, I'm just going to preach for myself for a while. Y'all can listen in. Amen? You picked up that y'all, didn't you? Huh? Yeah, I'm from Florida. That's how they talk down there. I pick it up everywhere I go. We were just in Pittsburgh, and we went downtown. You go downtown Pittsburgh, you know. So everybody has, they have all their little 
everybody talks differently. That's okay. But here Paul says in, in uh, verses 10 to 13, he says, not that I speak in respect of want. Or, he says, I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein also you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. See, they'd, they'd put together an offering for him, but they didn't have a way of getting it to him. <laughs> Why? Well, back in chapter 2, you have Epaphroditus, who was the mailman for the church. The church would give Epaphroditus, the guy, the, the food, the money, whatever, and he would take it to Paul wherever he was. And in verse chapter, chapter 2, verse 25 to 30, it talks about, about Epaphroditus being sick, so much unto death. And he was really, and, and, and the people were, were, the Philippians were upset about that. And Epaphroditus was upset that they were upset that he was upset. <laughs> hey, you talk about people who loved each other. You know, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the best way of loving somebody. You know someone loves you. They say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear you're sick. They say, I'm so sorry to hear you're sorry I'm sick. <laughs> Boy, you, I tell you, you just really feel each other's pain, don't you? That's the way Christians ought to be. Epaphroditus, he got better. He got back on the road again. And eventually got to Paul what he needed from the church. And he says, you know, I've learned whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. The first thing that a missionary needs to learn is the matter of contentment. Now, if a missionary is not content, then he's never going to be satisfied with his love offerings. He's never going to be, a, 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 never be satisfied with the support level. Uh, never be uh, satisfied with the, the churches he's in. And uh, maybe he says, I, I don't preach to enough people. It's not worthwhile. <laughs> you know, I didn't choose this ministry for myself. God chose it for me. And I am totally, absolutely content to preach to one or two people, and I've done that before. <laughs> I was with a, my wife and I were with one of our national pastors, and we went to a church that was just getting started. The pastor had to be away, and he said, there probably won't be many people there, so have a good time. I said, I'll show a video or something. We got there, and there were one guy there. And then another lady came in. Halfway through the service, two more people came in. So we had, what, seven? Yeah. We had a good time. I, I've preached like I was preaching to a thousand. I, I didn't care. Hey, you know what? They probably needed it, and I needed it. And it was a blessing. We had a, we had a great time. But the size of the crowd, I, I got over that a long time ago. I don't care about that anymore. Listen, we have got to learn to be content. And folks, you need to be content as well. In your, your state of where you are, are you satisfied with the car you drive? Are you content with the house you live in? Are you content with your income? Are you content with the, the job you have? Yeah, I'd like a better one. Well, go find one. There, there are a dime a dozen out there right now. Amen? But you know, we need to learn to be content. Paul says, I have learned. And listen, contentment is something that has to be learned. It does not come naturally. I, by nature, am not content. I always want a little bit more. Don't you? Yeah. Now, some of you would say, oh, not me, man. I'm satisfied with everything. I, okay, well, I'm just not as spiritual as you are. I guess I'm. The old flesh is strong, isn't it? You see this person get something? New, and you say, I could use one too. Like, God, aren't I your child? Why don't you give me one of those? God says, because it would ruin you, brother. 
So we got to be thankful for what we have. Amen. Be satisfied. Be joyful and be content. And you know, if you're content, you'll, you'll, you'll never, you're never going to get upset. I, one of our, when our national pastors come here and, and some of them have been here before, some two or three times. And the more they're here, the more they know about the American culture. But it's fun being around the ones who are here for the very first time from places like Myanmar or, or Africa or someplace, you know, real third world, way out in the boonie sticks, you know, you can't find them hardly. And they, you know, they, they, they have to run to the river for water for, you know, seven or eight miles away and get the water and drag it back home. And, and, and they walk into every place we have in America, you got, you got, what, you know, water fountains, we got, uh, you know, sinks that actually work and everything. And, and they, they, they walk in these churches and, and they see padded pews and carpeted floors and chandeliers. And, and they say, wow, this church is going to support me. They got lots of money. And I say, uh, now, now let me just bring you up to speed on reality. A lot of them are not going to support you. Not because they don't want to, but they have needs too. You think this is all free? Huh? You think it's free to air condition a big building like this? It doesn't cost a lot of money. And um, I said, so I, I said, I, I want you to adopt this, this mindset when you come and you go to the churches. I, I said, number one, uh, expect nothing and appreciate everything. You'll never have a bad attitude. Amen? Expect nothing. If you don't get one cent out of this trip to the United States of America, Say, you know what? I sure had a good time. I got to preach the Word of God a lot, and I, I got to meet a lot of good Christian people. And man, it was it, it helped my spiritual walk with God, and I, I, I benefited other ways. But usually, it works a lot better than that. Amen. But listen, if you expect nothing, and you appreciate everything you get, it's okay. You're content. But then he goes on. He says, "Learn to be content with what you have." But then he says, "To." Uh, Trust Christ for what you need. We all have needs beyond our point of contentment, don't we? Yeah, I'm content. Oh, boy, I've got a bill over here that's got to be paid. Well, Paul said this in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm content with what I have. I've learned that. If I'm full, I'm great. If I'm empty, it's okay. I'm content. He said, but what I don't have, I'm going to look to the Lord and trust him for Lord, you are the one I am looking. I'm not looking for churches. I'm not looking for people to, to help me. I'm looking to God. Whoever God wants to use, that's fine. If he chooses to use no one, that's fine too. I'm going to go back to being content again. Amen? Amen. But God will, God will take care of what you need. And so we all need to learn that as Christians as well, but particularly missionaries need to learn that. And um, we should never be running around with a poor me attitude. Amen? I had a missionary tell me this one time. He says, never, ever feel sorry for a missionary. That, that just took me by surprise. I didn't expect a missionary guy on deputation to say stuff like that. I expect him to say, you ought to feel sorry for us. We're out here on the road, different, different bed every night. It's just awful, awful serving. Hey, if you feel that way, get out of it. You don't belong there anyhow. Listen, don't feel sorry for your pastor. God called him to that. Amen. Don't feel sorry for your Sunday school teacher. God called them to that. Pray for them. Amen. Encourage them. Take care of them. Meet their needs. But don't sit around. And this missionary says, man, he says, down where I live in, the, in Brazil or wherever he was, he says, my kids have monkeys for pets. I bet your kids don't have monkeys for pets. We got the most beautiful peacocks in the world down there. We have flowers. You 
you just can't imagine how beautiful they are. He said, we have stuff you can never get in America. Don't feel sorry for us. Number one, God's called us. He's made us content. We're trusting God for what we need. So let's just keep on serving the Lord. Amen. Number two, he talks about the need met by the church. In verses 14, he, the whole, the whole uh, verbiage changes. He says, I, me, I, me, I. And then he gets to verse 14. He says, you, 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 ye, ye. And he says, ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. You know, Paul is writing this from a jail cell, prison cell. And, you know, the theme of Philippians is joy in our faith. <laughs> what a thing to write while you're in prison. How to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Wow. Well, if he can rejoice doing that, in that condition, what, what's our excuse, huh? Notwithstanding, ye have done well. You did communicate. with Now, you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, verse 15, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving, receiving, but ye only. This church stood with Paul when nobody else stood with him. That's important, isn't it? That's encouraging. He was so encouraged, this, this, this church. And he says, you sent once and again, verse 16, unto my necessity. See, Paul had some needs. But this church knew him so well that, and they loved him, and they, they actually read his prayer letters that were in the back of the church. And they, they said, you know what? He's got a need. Let's take a collection and send to his need. And they sent to his need time and time again because they knew him so well. They kept in contact with him that uh, they wanted to help him. And that's what they did. And sometimes this church does that, I'm sure. You hear about one of your missionaries that has a need. You say, <coughs> we're one of the supporting churches. We need to help them and to take a special offering. Maybe they're building a building or need a car or something. And uh, or maybe they want a child's in, in the hospital or something. All kinds of things happen to missionaries. And but... Uh, and I want to challenge you, if you don't already, that you get acquainted with your missionaries. Read their letters. Amen? And um, I'll tell you what, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference in how you pray for them as well, because you're, now you're praying uh, with knowledge. He said in verse 17, not because I desire a gift. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not bragging on you here because I want you to give me more money. That's not it. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, there's that interesting principle there. When a church takes care of their missionary, and their missionary wins people to Christ, brings them in, baptizes them, establishes a church, maybe starts another church over here, the church that is supporting them gets the, gets the glory and the privilege right along with them, and, and God blesses them, and whatever th this missionary gets in heaven for his labor, that church also shares in that. And you're, you're going to be clipping coupons for eternity. Amen? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? It's good to, it's good to, have, uh, to have a, be a partner. You're a partner in that ministry. You're not just supporting them to keep them up there, keep them on there. God looks at you all both the same. And he says, I, this is to your account. Whatever account is in heaven, you've got one up there too. And when you give the missionaries, you're laying money on that account. Now, I don't know what we're going to do with the account when we get up there. Maybe God's going to have a humongous Walmart up there, and we get to, you know, take our little card and swipe it, and we have so much on there that we put up there. I don't know what's going to go on. Uh, there, the Bible says, eyes have not seen, ear hath not heard, you know, and uh, there's probably something else that means. But, but, but uh, I don't know what, what, what heaven holds, but I tell you what, it's going to be a sweet place if we've been doing what God wants us to do. Amen? 
And we, maybe people, like the song says, a lot of it's conjecture. You know, someone walks up to you and says, hey, didn't you support such such a missionary? Yeah, yeah. Well, he led me to Christ. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Amen? I'm one that was saved. I, I think there could be, I don't know, I think there would be testimony time in heaven. I think that just kind of goes along with the, 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 the character of God, to give glory to God. We're going to be giving glory to God throughout eternity in some shape, way, shape, or form. And so this church in Philippi was, uh, caused the church to share in the fruit of Paul's labors. And, uh, and he says, you sent once and again into my necessity. Uh, and then he says it was a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. That's an interesting thought there, isn't it? There in verse uh, 18. You know, when I, when I read that, the first time I read that, I said, you know, I remember in the Old Testament when they sacrificed, they brought a lamb to be sacrificed for their sin. They would lay the lamb on the altar and, and the priest would take care of whatever parts he needed to take care of. Then they'd put it on fire and they'd burn it as a sacrifice to God. And the Bible calls it a sweet-smelling savor. Now, it may smell pretty bad down here, but it didn't smell bad up there. Because God says he loves sacrifice. And he, he, would, he would lean over the battlements of heaven and go, Ah, I smell that sacrifice, sweet-smelling savor. And God wants to come to, to Faith Bible Baptist Church here in Eden, New York, and he'd say, What's I smell out of Eden? A sweet-smelling savor as people are giving to the Lord again. Amen? Wow. And we just keep it going. Don't let the fire go out. Amen? Oh, the need that is met by the church for the missionary. I want to give you a, a little thought on how to pray for your missionaries. So everybody take your hand and put your hand up. Let me put your hand up. Now, if blood runs out of your arm, you don't have to keep it up the whole time. Okay. But I want you to, here's how you pray for your, your thumb is closest to you, right? In mo, most people's hands, that's the way it goes. Okay. Uh, so pray for the missionaries that are close, that you know the best. Okay. Now, some of you are going like this just to give me a hard time, right? Okay. But pray for those who are closest to you, that you know the best. You know, you, you hear there's names written all over. Number this is your pointing finger. Pray for the preachers and the teachers and the missionaries that are, are preaching the word of God, the ladies who are teaching the children, and, 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 uh, and, and the people who are, who are involved in, in um, the medical field as well. Your middle finger is your tallest finger, so pray for the leadership. Those who are leading, those who are pastors, those who are evangelists, those who are, uh, are, are training others in the ministry and sending out national pastors and training them, sending them out. Pray for the leadership. Did you know that your, that your fourth finger is your weakest finger on your hand, the weakest finger? Pray for those who are in trouble, those who have physical problems, who have financial problems, who have difficulties they're struggling with. And then your little finger is the least, least finger. Uh, pray for those who have the least opportunity to hear the word of God. That would be like the 1040 window countries over there, uh, Western Africa, all the way to the, the Sea of Japan. And that's uh, and, and 10, 10 degrees above, latitude, uh, above the um, uh, equator to 40 degrees above the equator latitude. And all the way across, there are 64 countries in there. Many people there, many these countries, you can put your hands down. No, that's the last one. Whew. Do you swear to tell the truth, all the truth? Oh, no. <laughs> Invitation time. I see that hand. Okay. But isn't it, God gives us the opportunities to reach all these people. And, uh, 
And so pray, pray for your, maybe that'll be a help to you as you pray for your missionaries uh, as, uh, and their needs. And, and these people certainly prayed for Paul as well as helped him a lot as well. Now, verse 19 is for the church itself. Uh, Paul has talked about his needs. He's talked about, I'm, I, I'm, I've learned to be content. I've learned to trust Christ to meet my need. And you, church, you've been a blessing to me, and, and uh, you have helped me, and you've met my needs as, as time has gone on. But I want to give you one last verse, he says, and this is for you personally now. Those of you who give, those of you who give to missions we're talking about here, it's, it's, a, it's a missions uh, context here. But my God, verse 19, but my God, the word but there, that's a contrastive conjunction. That means he's saying something, then he says, but, that means he's going in a different direction. In other words, he's saying, you folks have given and given and given to my necessity a lot of times out of your necessity. You've given up what you didn't have to help me. But, here's something for you. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know, God has unlimited riches. Do you think God has a hard time paying his power bill? His water bill? He doesn't have a water bill. He doesn't need it. Man, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. If he wants to, he can sell one of them and give you the money. God has everything. What he, and and we, just, we just got to look to him. But God, he says... God's riches will take care of your supply and meet your need when you have a need, those of you who are giving the missions. Now, I don't think this verse is for everybody. I hear it quoted all the time. Well, got behind on my bills and I went out and went to Walt Disney World and now I can't pay my light bill. But my God shall supply all your need. That's not for you, friend. Sorry. Some people are very irresponsible with their money, aren't they? They just buy whatever they want to buy and they don't worry about it until next month comes around and then they realize, I don't have any money left. What do I do now? You got to learn to, if you, don't, if you don't have your money in control, you need to get somebody to help you get it in control. Amen? Otherwise, you are a slave to whoever you owe it to and you're never free to give. Giving ought to be a joyful thing. Amen? Not something like, uh, I was going to buy a gallon of milk on the way home, but here, preacher, here's your stinking dollar. <laughs> That's a great attitude, isn't it? Yeah. Our vice president of health ministry says, God loveth a cheerful giver, but he'll even take it from a grouch. Amen? <laughs> so we, uh, God, listen, just learn, learn, to, learn to give. Learn to give and, and, and just, if God touches you, if he moves you to give, give. If he doesn't, don't. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here on giving. Number one, Malachi 3.10 tells us to bring all the tithes in the storehouse. And this was for Israel. But I think it's for today as well because the storehouse is the local church. And 10% of our income belongs in the offering right here. How else do you think to keep the lights lit and the AC on and the pastor paid and, and books and all kinds of things that go on here? You think, it's, you think everybody just tipping God a dollar on Sunday morning is going to take care of that? No, no, no. But God told us that he says, I, I, mean, I want you to tithe. And you know what the tithe tells God? The 10% tells God, God, 
I know where this money came from. It came from you. And just to let you know that I know it came from you, here's 10%. And you know, it's a blessing to give. You know, if you, if you, those, I could have people stand up around here and talk about tithing, and they would say, you know what? I have never missed a meal. My bills are paid. In fact, people who hold on to their money so much, it's sort of like holding on to sand. You ever try to hold, hold on to sand? Kids ever grab a handful of sand and hold on real tight? And the tighter you hold on it, after a while, it goes right through your fingers. You open, there's nothing left. <laughs> That's the way people are who are so greedy, and they got to hold on to everything. You can't give anything out. And you know, a giver is a happy person. And so your tithes belong inside the walls of this church. Your missions giving is on top of that, and that belongs on the outside of the walls of the church. That goes to the rest of the world. Amen? We've got to do both. Hey, if you don't have a church, you're not going to have a missions program. Right? So... So we got to do things first. And so if you're, not, if you're not tithing, I would just challenge you to, first of all, start tithing and trust God and put to God. To God says, prove me now here with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you shall not have room enough to receive it. That's quite a promise, isn't it, huh? God will take care of you. And then when you give to missions, he takes care of you even more. And a blessing, so, such a blessed way. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. The Bible says when we give, God gives back to us. And how does he give back? Does he grow it on trees in the backyard? I wish he did, don't you? I wouldn't mind having $20 bills on my in my tree in the backyard. That's not, that's not God's method. God's method is giving it through other people to you. Shall men give into your bosom? God touches some. How many have ever uh, had somebody owe you money and they just frankly forgot about it, maybe for years, and all of a sudden you get a check in the mail and they paid you back? And you think back, you say, you know, I gave something to the Lord and pew, wow, where'd that come from? <laughs> that's why God does things. It's just awesome. I love it. I have a pastor friend, he said, he told his church, he says, if you knew what I knew about giving, you would beg me to preach about it every week. <laughs> the blessings, and this fellow's a giver, and he, God gives him so much back. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like you're, God's got, a, God's got a, a, a bin, and you've got a bin. And you've got a shovel, and God's got a shovel. And you're taking your little shovel, and you're taking your little 10%, and still a little missions money, throwing it over to God's bin. Here you go, Lord, I'm giving you what I need. <laughs> I'm loving it too, Lord. It's so much fun. Yep. And God's taking his, and he shoves back into yours. The only difference is God's got a bigger shovel. Amen? And he, it, now, they say, oh, boy, I can't wait to give Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going I'm to come prepared. I'm going to give everything, man. And, and God's just going to rain it all down. That, you're giving it for the wrong reason. Yeah. Don't expect that. That's what you hear on TV. It's TV preachers. They're going to... You just give a thousand dollars, just and I'll have a thousand dollar prayer for you, pal. And you know, and God's going to pour His blessing on you so much, you're going to be a millionaire before next week. <sighs> I feel like reaching through the, and grabbing them by the throat and shaking them. Amen. I really do, but I can't do that because I'm a creature. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Besides, I can't go through the, there anyhow. But you know, isn't it good that, that God's in control of our money? And if we handle money with wisdom and not greed, he will have, we'll have some to give to missions. Amen? How many of you guys 
had some she money. Do you know what she money is? It's money she knows nothing about. Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands on that one because I don't want to start a big fight here, okay, between the husbands and wives. But I'll ask the ladies, how many of you ladies have some he money? Yeah, I know you do. It's, you know, it's a little money we squirrel away just in case, right? It's called security. For a lady, it's called security. For guys, it's called another shotgun. Amen? And uh, so, you know, a new car or motorcycle or whatever. But we, we, all, we always have a little bit extra left over. We, we, take, we, we put it over here. We say, I'm, gonna, I'm saving this just in case we have a problem. This is my need money. Okay, well, if you take some of your need money and you'll give that to missions, then when you have a need, God says, I will supply your need. He says, my God shall supply all your need. He didn't say greed. He said need. Amen? And, and I, we've, we've seen this happen over and over and over again in our lives. It's just, it, I could tell you so many things, but you've got your own stories. I hope you do. <laughs> I think of um, the boy with five loaves and two fish who gave them to Jesus. Notice he gave first. Little boy, what are you going to do with those five loaves and two fish? He says, ah, man, I'm going to have a snack later on because, you know, Jesus is preaching so long here and we're just having a good service and everything. And so, son, uh, can we borrow it? <laughs> uh, Jesus wants it. Oh, well, Jesus wants it. Well, sure, take the whole bag. And they give it to Jesus and they, he, they see everybody down and he feeds 5,000. Men, plus women and children. A little bit later, he feeds 4,000 using the same method. And this boy, I don't know where the 12 baskets left over went. Maybe they went back with the boy to his house. Mom, look what Jesus did. I don't know what happened. But I'll tell you what, God got glory out of that. Amen? Disciples had a snack later on, maybe. I don't know. But listen, the boy gave it first, and God multiplied it, and then and then met the needs of many people. I think of uh, the widow woman in 1 Kings 17, and Elijah, the, the prophet, comes to town, and he's, he's looking for a place to stay, and, and he's hungry, and he hasn't eaten anything in a while, and he meets this woman who is uh, gathering sticks, and, and she's, gonna, she's preparing to make her last meal for she and her son. It's a terrible time, of famine, no food. She's got a little meal, a little oil left. She's going to mix the two together, Make a little pancake there, flip it over, cut it in half, give half to her son, her, eat, she'll eat half, and then they plan on dying. What a plan, huh? And then the man of God comes along. He says, you got a drink of water? She says, sure. Oh, be, while you're getting the water, would you get me a little cake first? I'm hungry too. Sir, you don't understand. I'm making the last cake for my son and myself, and we're going to die. This is it. Well, that's fine, but make me one first, would you? Boy, what a guy he is. He says, if you do that, you will never lack. And she went and she dipped in there and there was more to dip into. And there was more to dip into and more to dip into. She took the oil and she poured the oil and it kept coming out. Now, 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 now. And for three years, during the time of the entire time that they had, they were without rain, she took care of her, she and her son were taken care of. All because she gave first to the Lord. So I want to encourage you this. When you give your tithes, Give your tithe, and then put your missions money on top of that. Put it in the offering plate and give it first before you pay anything, before you pay your bills, before you buy your food. And say, okay, God, 
You, you saw where that went, don't you? Okay, now I'm going to see where the rest of this goes. And then be careful what you do with the rest of your money. Don't blow it. Just say, Lord, help me to know what to do and have wisdom. Because I want to be a blessing. I want my money to go around the world to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ who've never heard and will never hear unless we send somebody in our place, unless they find Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, help me to be the man, the woman you want me to be. Help me to lay up treasures in heaven because I'm not going to live here forever. When I get to heaven, I want something to, to show for it. Oh, I want that to be my, that's, that's my desire as well. Let me close with this one thought. There was a missionary who worked among the American Indians out west, and the preacher was out preaching, and he was preaching about giving. And the chief, Indian chief, was there, and he'd gotten saved recently, and he was, he was excited about the Lord, and the preacher was talking about giving and how we need to give to the Lord. While well, he's sitting there, and early in the message, his mind is going, he says, what can I give to Jesus? Ah, and he jumps up, and he walks out of the church, and he comes back with a tomahawk. And he is him, and he says, puts it on the altar, and he says, Chief, give tomahawk to Jesus. Well, everybody's shocked. And he sits down, and the preacher starts a second point. He's preaching about giving to the Lord, and, and this guy says, what can I give? No, no, I don't want to give that. Yeah, okay, I will. He gets up, he walks out again. He walks in with his horse. He says, Indian chief, give horse to Jesus. He went and sat down. Well, the preacher's on his third point now. And this Indian chief's sitting there, what do I give to Jesus? Then it dawned on him what he could do. He went up, took an offering plate, put it on the floor, and stood in the offering plate and says, Indian chief, give self to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 5, and this they did, this is the Macedonians who were giving to God. This they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now, folks, before you ever give to God in the right way, you first of all need to give yourself to him. There's no point in doing it otherwise. Give yourself to Jesus. Are you saved tonight? Do you know for sure if you died that you would go to heaven? Or there's some doubts in your mind about that. You can erase those doubts tonight and be sure of heaven. That's, that's more important than giving a single penny to the church. Is first of all, giving your heart to Jesus. And putting, your, putting your, your life in his hands and saying, Lord, I give you myself. Once God has us, he has everything else. And it's never a trial. It's never a problem to give. It's always a blessing. Maybe you're here and you're saved. You say, I'm saved, but I've never, I've never given much to the church. I throw in a couple bucks every now and then, but 10%? E, that's going to be hard. That's going to take some faith. Do it. That's right. We are called to grow in our faith. Grow in your faith. Don't stay where you are. Take the next step up. Because there's some blessings you're going to miss if you don't. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your wonderful love to us. Thank you for the work of, that's going around the, the world, Lord, and, and the, 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 the world global impact this church is having with missions around the world. I know it's close to the pastor's heart and close to the people's heart here. Thank you for the local uh, ministries that are going on, reaching out and reaching people with the gospel locally in neighborhoods and, and vacation Bible school and the fair and, 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 all, and, and starting churches. And, and Lord... Um, only heaven will reveal what's been done. 
But God, we, you've not called us to sit back in our laurels and just uh, rejoice in what we've, we've accomplished. You've called us to, to lift up our eyes, look into a field that are white already to harvest around the world and help us to be, uh, be serious about this and get involved and say, Lord, what can I do? How can I surrender myself? I want to give myself to you. And whatever I have, Lord, is yours to be used for your glory and honor. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.